Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode, winter is fast approaching. It is here. It is cold. It is going to be frosty. Our motivation may take a little bit of a hit. And I think it's really important to talk about winter training tips. Running with Jake, the podcast. Because every runner needs the occasional plot. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. Now, usually it's me answering the questions around here, but today we're doing things a little bit differently. I have a question for you, humble listener. Are you ready to rock? (laughs) Are you ready to rock? Because that is happening today. It's happening right now. I don't care where you are, in a cupboard, out running, in the car, in the swimming pool. I'm really not interested. I just care that you're joining us. You're ready. It's all about running motivation, inspiration, and a peppering of randomness as well. Our regular listeners will know we're a little bit random on the show, Peter, aren't we? I do wonder sometimes whether we're getting more random. Are we getting more random? I'm not altogether sure. But if you're listening, and when Jake asks you the question then, are you ready to rock? And you did say, hell yeah! Then you are the type of person we're speaking to. Yes, you've clearly got some issues because you're talking back to the recording of a podcast. Give me a hell yeah. But I'm glad you're having a good time. That's important. I love chatting with you, Pete, and it's great that you're on board with the madness today. But can you please stop waving around that cappuccino frother? Uh, what, what are you doing? Like, Well, <laughs> I bought a cheap one, didn't I? A cappuccino frother. Well, it's not for me. It's a hot chocolate frother because I don't mess about with cappuccinos. I just have like a black coffee. But that for me is a, is a hot chocolate. And it's um, I dropped it and it smashed into a million pieces and i've since put it back together and as soon as we finish recording the podcast i'm going to put some batteries in it and see if it works so yeah now that's controversial the whole cappuccino frother Mm. using it to froth a hot chocolate i get that i'm on board with that i need to be trying this that to me just screams winter my friend it screams winter i'm in the cupboard in my slippers i i actually i have two pairs of slippers i have a summer pair and I have a winter pair. The winter pair wow. I am wearing right now. I, I'm blown I, it's away. It's that time of year. It's crazy. It is that time of year. It's getting difficult. People need firing up, motivation. It's not easy getting out there when it is cold, it is dark, when we put the clocks back. It's not so good, is it? Yeah, it's great. You get an extra hour in bed, but then that soon disappears, doesn't it? And then mm. it's about, oh, I can't, how do I get out there? And Christmas coming up. And I think we need to pull out all the stops today and really get people fired up. I must be honest, as far as winter runs are concerned, I prefer them to summer runs. I don't mind telling you, I really do. I, you know, I sent you a text the other day to say I really enjoyed my run for about the first time ever because I'm reluctantly running because it helps me. It just helps me in life, I think. But what I do prefer is I, I prefer it because it's just cooler. I prefer it to be colder. I, I also, do you know what? That that whole confidence thing, and that's not such an issue as it was, but it's quite nice to run in the dark as well. With some music on my headphones, and I'm sure you'll say don't do that because, you know, it's stupid because you, you, you've not got your uh, your wits around you, and I know, I know that. I've never got my wits around me, but I'm enjoying these winter runs. I prefer them to summer. It's good to hear, first of all, that you, you mentioned confidence there, and, oh, that's not such a problem as it used to be. Mm. That's amazing to hear, and I think there's a lot of people that can relate to that. When you first start out running, it, it is very easy to think, oh, are people looking at me, and, oh, you know, it's, I need to hide away, and I'm going to run in quiet areas and I'm going to run when it's a little bit quieter so less chance of being seen. I can relate to that with the pool, to be mm. perfectly honest with you, and I genuinely mean that. I, I'm, I'm starting to become a little bit more confident in the pool at the moment, 
but that wasn't the case and it was like oh I'm you know in my little shorts in the slips on in, in getting in the water and I'm, I'm not really the most efficient swimming all that sort of stuff so it's really good to hear when people are building their confidence but you are absolutely dead right when you mentioned about I know what you're going to say listening to music when you're running I want to share today some training tips, some winter training tips, because now is a real key time for many people training through winter, wanting to target races for next year. We know that the training starts now, the hard work really starts now. I've got to lay that foundation. And I'm getting a lot of questions from people about safety, about where to run, about how to negotiate different weather conditions. And safety is a big thing. You know, you talk about listening to music, and that's one thing I want to mention uh, today on the show and give you some thoughts around that. But safety is key. Only this morning, right? So Martina, we're recording this on a Monday this week, and and we, we popped to the gym to do a bit of a session this morning with Martina, who doesn't work on Mondays. And she said, oh, what are you doing with the, you know, the podcast this week? What are you, what are you talking about? I said, well, actually, I'm going to share some winter training tips because I think this is really important for people. Mm. And she said, that's a great idea. I think it's really, really good, actually. And I said, it's also, you know, not just weather conditions, it's safety as well. That's so important. And I said, I've been meaning for a long time now to buy you a panic alarm that you can use when you're running. You know, what's a, a panic alarm? I said, yeah, it's just a really small little device. You, you know, you put it in your hand when you're running uh, and then you, you can just press it and it get, makes a really loud alarm when you need it. Mm. She said, well, what, what, what do I need that for? I said, well, it's, it's a panic alarm. She said, well, so I press it when I, like, if I, if I feel panicked. <laughs> I was like, it's not, not, not exactly. No, it's if you feel unsafe, if you're being attacked or chased, woman, then you press the alarm. It's not like just if you, the session's a little bit tough and you feel a bit overwhelmed by it, so you just press the alarm and people come running and help you. It doesn't work like that. It's about safety. If it just just the way she looked at me, but if it, you mean if I just if I panic, not just randomly, girl, no, not just randomly. But I want to talk about that and more in today's show. And actually, it's not just about the listener today, Pete. It's a little bit about you as well, my friend. Because one of the reasons I thought it would be great to talk about winter training is obviously with yourself getting ready now to take on the Manchester Relay what? next April 2022 take it to the streets of Manchester Pete the producer dude you asked me last week I said no I said no several times I've got witnesses to hear me say no I'm not doing it don't be so stupid I'm not doing I'm not doing a, a Manchester marathon whatever it's called the relay thing I'm not doing it <laughs> I'm not done with this yet. I mean, you know that I've been sending you a few messages here and there. Just little prompts, little, oh, just check this little link out to the course that they're uh, suggesting for the Manchester Relay. I don't care about the course. I'm not bothered. Look, I think you can take your running to the next level, sir. And I think today's show with the winter (laughs) training tips is the start of that. For the show notes and video content, go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Running with Jake, the podcast. Now, as the summer months are a distant memory, winter is fast approaching. It is here. It is cold. It is going to be frosty. Our motivation may take a little bit of a hit. And I think it's really important now to talk about winter training tips and how we can best tackle these next few months. Now, I believe really passionately in this. And there's four key areas that I believe really strongly in that I want to go through with you where winter training is concerned. So the first one's motivation. What can we do to keep you fired up? The second one is warming up and the importance of and then I want to talk about running in poor conditions, whether that's ice, snow, strong headwinds. And I want to talk to you about running in the dark and staying safe as well. So, motivation. We're not feeling it. It's cold. It's dark. How can we keep fired up? Well, look, here's a thought for you and bear with me on this. 
But if you are typically somebody that runs in the evening, let's say through the summer months, that, that's what you would do. You'd finish your day at work and then you'd go out and run. You could potentially look at switching to running in the mornings. Now, logistically, it needs to be possible, of course, depending on what you do for a living and what your your day-to-day routine is like. But if it is logistically possible and it's safe to do so, that's the second thing, then it's definitely worth exploring it as an option. Now, you might be listening to this thinking, Jake, that's great. But look, my friend, there's no way I'm going to get up before work and go and run. I'm an evening person. It's just never going to happen. You can make the change. I've seen it happen so many times over the years, not just as a running coach, but as a personal trainer when I was working with clients one-to-one. It is possible to make the change from being an evening person and an evening runner to the morning. And one of the big benefits to this, and again, as long as it's logistically possible and safe, of course, which I want to mention a little bit later in this chat. But one of the things that I think can be really helpful is you're doing the thing first that you don't have to do, meaning you don't have to run. For most of us, it's not a career, it's a choice, it's optional. So if you wait until after work and you're running in the evening and you struggle with motivation, well, by the time you finish work, it's very easy to think, oh, well, I don't have to run. You have to go to work, so you have no choice. You're going to do your job. But then afterwards, motivation can drop off. So by literally waking up and the first thing on your mind is getting your session done, I think that can help your motivation. So it's definitely worth exploring. If, however, you need to stick to running after work, I think what can really help your motivation is to keep the day flowing. You want to take away as many obstacles and barriers to you running as is possible. So, if you are sat in the car and maybe you've got a reasonably long commute from work back home and then you run, that can sometimes take the energy and the drive and the motivation out of you for you to then be able to run so you could easily sack it off. So you've got to keep the day flowing. How can you do that? Well, getting your running kit on at work can help. That can be a start. So as soon as you you walk through the door, you literally dump your bag down and then you're off out the door and you get your run done. The other thing you could potentially do is you could try running from work back to work. Meaning you might run in the evening, but rather than doing the commute home and then running, literally run from work and back as long as you've got safe routes and and, and all that kind of stuff. That can keep the day flowing. It can keep your energy a little bit high because it's straight after your, your work. And also it could potentially reduce the risk of you being stuck in traffic. So it could make your commute home more pleasurable because traffic's potentially died down after you've done your run. So that could be another little thing. You know, the obvious one of running with others can definitely help your motivation. We sometimes will let ourselves down by not running, but actually if we've arranged to meet a friend, a running buddy, then we're more likely to go, aren't we? And, and this is very commonplace with people that are members of running clubs. You want to be there and go to see your friends. What I do think, though, is it's important to be clever with your training, kind of scheduling, if you like. And this can be the case whether you run the club or you're just looking at ranging a run with a buddy. You don't necessarily have to be exactly the same level of ability. You don't have to have the same level of ability. You don't even have to be training for the same thing. Yeah, of course it helps. But it's very difficult for two people to be exactly the same. And you have to be a little bit clever with how you use the session. A real nice technique can be you use one session in a particular way, but the person you're running uses it in a different way. So I'll give you an example. You might go out and just do a 50-minute easy run on a Wednesday. You arrange to run with your friend, but you are fitter than your friend. So you're a more experienced, maybe a faster runner than your friend. Well, for you, you can do your typical 50-minute easy 
run, your easy effort, but for your friend who's not quite as fast as you, they can use the same session but in a different way. So for them, it could be like a more of a steady run, more of a, a faster type run, more of a quality run. So you're both there doing it together. You're feeling more comfortable than they are because you're running easier, but you're both benefiting. Now, something I'm a big fan of, the long run is obviously quite tricky, isn't it, to... to to really have that motivation to get out there. Some of us love the long runs. Some of us kind of have a funny relationship with the long run. Sometimes we're up for it and sometimes we're not. Well, if you plan your long run on a Saturday rather than the classic Sunday long run, which is what most people do, and the weather is really poor on the Saturday. Now, I'm talking poor, not unsafe. So it's different if it's really icy, which I'm going to come on to later. Then obviously, you know, you live to fight another day and you sack it off. But actually, if it's just really bad weather, maybe it's wet, maybe it's windy, you're just thinking, oh, do you know what? I'm, I'm just not up for it. If you plan to do the long run on a Saturday, it gives you another chance to run on the Sunday. You've still got that option. You know, you quick weather check. Well, actually, it's looking better on the Sunday. Do you know what? I'm going to be kind to myself today. I'm going to run tomorrow instead. Whereas if you stick with the classic long run on a Sunday, it becomes a lot harder to then say, well, I'm going to do the long run on a Monday because uh, actually it's not very good on the Sunday weather-wise. So that could be another little shift in your training that you could potentially make to help you. Now, one thing that I picked up on when we had a guest on the show recently, a recent episode, which and, and I love this. I thought it was such a great takeaway and something I started to apply in my training. Uh, we had Robbie Britton on the show recently, who's an ultra runner, a running coach. You may have heard the episode. And he thinks it's really beneficial to focus on finding really interesting 40 to 60 minute classic easy run routes. So, you know, your bread and butter sessions that you do in the week that most of your training is made up of kind of the 40 to 60 minute hour easy out there. Rather than focusing on really creative long runs and creative routes for your long runs, focus on interesting and of course safe routes for your bread and butter shorter runs in the week because they're the ones that you're going to have to do more often. It's your bread and butter. So it stands to reason you're going to be out there doing those more often. So you want to be fairly inspired by the routes if you can be. Now, something else to think about is you could substitute one of your runs for another form of training. Now, remember, we're talking motivation here. I'm not talking about substituting a run because you are being smart and perhaps you've got a bit of a niggle and you're reducing the amount of time you spend running, which of course you could do. But I think substituting a run for another form of training might just reinvigorate you. You might find it inspiring. You might find it as a a new challenge. You know, I've I've got a calf strain at the moment, hoping to be back running soon. And I've been spending quite a bit of time in the pool, which is fairly new to me. It's not my particular kind of comfortable place, but I'm quite liking the challenge of it. And it's helped me to feel quite motivated, to be honest, just doing something different and having a new challenge. So that could be something to think about. And I think overall, it is really helpful to constantly remind yourself why you are running. Why do you want to get out there for a 90-minute run on Saturday? What is the reason? What are the reasons? What are you training for? And this this is an ongoing process, by the way. This is why I say constantly remind yourself, because I, I don't think it's a case of just saying, well, I'm training for this goal and that's what I'm doing. I'm running the Manchester Marathon or the Boston Marathon or the local 10K or, or I'm running to lose weight and that's it. You've reminded yourself once, done. No, it's a constant ongoing process. You have to keep reminding yourself because why? Well, you, you're going to have more challenges. Things are going to be thrown your way. You will have curveballs from life and certainly through winter with different potentially social events throughout Christmas, certainly weather conditions. So you've got to keep reminding yourself. Okay, 
let's talk warming up. This is something I'm massively passionate about. Uh, as a lot of my runners will know that I coach, uh, I think warming up sometimes can be, I don't know, pushed to the wayside a little bit. We perhaps don't spend as much time warming up as we should, and I don't think we give it as, as much focus. Now, it's always important to warm up, but I think in winter it's even more important. Now, why are we warming up? Let's recap. Well, look, you, you want to reduce injury, right? So you want to reduce the risk of you picking up an injury in your main session or race, and you want to increase your performance. So you want a better chance of doing well in that session. And that could be just an easy run, by the way. You just you want to have a good run, don't you? Whenever you're running, you want it to go well. You want to enjoy it. So whether it's a race, an easy run, a threshold session, hill repeats, warming up is helpful. Obviously, the more important the session or the race, and typically the shorter and therefore faster the session or race, the more important and the longer that warm-up should be. It's a weird thing because you want to use a warm-up to warm up, but you're really cold in winter. Let's say you've been working at home and you know, you've know you had the heat on and you're nice and snug, but you've been sat there at the desk all day. It's time to get out there and run. It looks really cold outside. It is really cold outside. You step outside. You are really cold and you want to run quickly just to get heat into the body as fast as possible, which negates some of the benefits. So the slower... And the longer the warm-up, the better you will feel during the main session. I promise you this. The slower and longer the warm-up, the better you will feel during the main session. So the warm-up needs to be very progressive. You need to set off like super, super, super slowly, especially if you're planning on doing a tough session like an interval session or something like that. You really need to start off super slow and just very gradually allow the body to warm up. You know, think of your car in the morning throughout the winter months. You, you want the engine to warm up very slowly. It needs to be progressive. You don't just want to jump on the motorway, put it in fifth or sixth gear and, and off you go. So the human body's the same. Now, how can you do that? How, how can you warm up slowly? Because what I'm saying is don't rush it, but it's really cold outside and you're really cold. So what do you do? Well, what you can do is separate the warm up from the main part of the session. Let's say you're running from home. You can dress for the current conditions. So you can dress based on the fact it's very cold. You might have the long tights on. You might even have some jogging bottoms on, a long sleeve top, a jacket, a hat, gloves, whatever you feel is appropriate for you to be warm as you step outside. Because you're warm with the clothing that you're wearing, it makes you patient. It enables you to go really slow in that initial warm-up, which is what I'm saying, nice and progressive. And all you simply do is run, let's say, five minutes down the road from your house, turn around, run five minutes back, you're back at home, you can then strip off. You can just take the jacket off, the gloves, the hat, whatever it might be. Because what I hear very often is when people get out there and they're wearing all the clothes that they own to keep warm and then they're stripping off after 10 or 20 minutes. And, and you know, this is very common all year, but it still happens in winter as well. People can easily get it wrong and overdress for the weather. And especially if it's a tough session, because you know you're going to be generating a lot of internal heat. You're going to increase your core body temperature when you get really stuck into the session. So just dress accordingly, jog down the road, jog back, and then you can strip off and ditch things as you feel you need to. What I used to do was actually run when, when we were in uh, just south of Bristol. We, I used to uh, take my car key with me and I'd run down the road, run back, and then I'd just blip the boot of the car and I'd just open the boot and just throw in what I didn't want and then and then off I'd go I'd carry on running so it didn't really break the run up in any way shape or form but it just meant that I was nice and warm and I had a much better session now there's two parts really to to a warm-up there's what we call a pulse raiser 
So the pulse razor is what we're talking about here. You go out there, you run nice and easy, you increase your heart rate, you're opening all your blood vessels up so that the blood f uh, flows a lot more uh, easily, there's less restriction there, you're optimising your body ready to perform well. So that's, that's the pulse razor element of a warm-up. But it doesn't start there. If we rewind a little bit, before you even get out the house, I think it's really helpful if you go through a really basic mobilisation routine. Now, I'm going to upload uh, a mobilisation routine that I do myself. It's a, uh, a routine that I give some of my runners. And I'm going to link that in the show notes page, which is runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. So make sure you go and check this out. And the routine itself, it doesn't take long. But the idea behind it is it mobilises your joints. So when we start to move our joints, we release what's called synovial fluid in into the joint so from the joint capsule and it's like a lubricant for want of a better description and it just enables the joints to move that little bit more easily gets you prepared gets you primed gets you ready to get out there and the other advantage of doing a bit of mobilization is it puts a bit of temperature in the body so you're not quite as cold when you get out there and it switches the mind on as well because that can be tricky if you've been at work all day and then you've suddenly got to go from work mode to running mode. And that's not always so easy. It's not an easy transition to make. So by spending a, a few minutes doing a, a mini mobilisation routine, it just helps you to get into the right headspace ready for when you do get out there. So one thing that is inevitable at some point or another throughout winter, you will be faced with challenging running conditions. It may well be icy. You could be getting some snow where you are or it may just be serious headwinds that are just not inspiring in the slightest. So what adjustments should you make to your training? Well, obviously, it stands to reason safety is the most important thing. So if it is seriously icy, then you just live to fight another day. I think it can be really helpful to have a contingency in your mind, almost ready to go. Uh, several options. What do you do if you wake up in the morning and conditions are really bad? What Do you just completely miss the run? Is there something else that you could do to help you feel better, to give you your training fix, to help you work towards any goals that you may have? Is it the option? Is there an option for you to jump on an elliptical trainer or a cross trainer or get on the bike, a stationary bike that is at home or in the gym? Now, it might not be your preference. You might not love jumping in the pool at the local health club or jumping on a bike, but actually, if it's going to help you, then it's definitely worth doing. And, and having that as a contingency in your mind, you don't have the panic then, you don't have the worry, you don't have the frustration, because if the weather is bad, you know straight away what you are going to do. There's a plan B and even potentially a plan C and a plan D. Now, a little bit of advice for you if you are looking at incorporating some cross-training, and this is helpful anyway, even if you're somebody that does incorporate cross-training as a, as a regular feature as part of your training, if you run to heart rate, your heart rate typically is around five to eight beats lower on a bike, on an indoor bike, than it would be if you were running. So around five to eight beats lower on the bike. So any heart rate zones that you may have for running, you can make that obvious shift now uh, when you uh, hit the indoor, the indoor bike, the stationary bike. If you're using something like an elliptical trainer, a cross trainer, generally speaking, and there are lots of different variations with uh, between cross trainers, generally speaking, you will probably find that your heart rate zones are very similar to that when running. It's an all over body workout. You're using your upper body and your lower body. You don't have impact there, but it is weight bearing, unlike cycling where you obviously sat sat on the bike and the, and the seat is taking some of that weight off. I would uh, strongly suggest that you try and replicate 
very similar heart rates to that that you would expect to see when you were running. If you're not running on heart rate, by the way, focus on feel, focus on RPE, which is rate of perceived exertion. Always helpful with running anyway. We know as runners we can get a little bit caught up on pace and wanting to hit certain paces and and we're target driven with times. Most of us certainly. But I think thinking about how is this effort feeling on this given day, in this given moment, how hard am I working is always helpful. But if you're doing some cross training, switch your running session to something like an elliptical trainer or a bike and work at the same intensity that you would expect to work if you were running. So if you're doing something like a threshold session, you may be doing four times five minutes at threshold. That was the session that you planned, a running session. The weather's really bad. You're jumping on the bike or you're jumping on a cross trainer. You can do the same session. You can still do four times five minutes. The same session, but you're working at the same intensity and you're ignoring pace. So that can definitely help. I think as well, it's worth sacrificing preference for safety. So if you're switching your session from running to something else, it might not be your preference. You might not love it. You might not be into cross training. You know, you could even do some 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 weights and some strength and conditioning. I wouldn't say that is uh, typically classed as cross training because cross training is really a direct substitute for your chosen sport. So for running in this case, but you could still you could do some other forms of training. It's better than doing nothing at all in bad weather. But even if it's not your preference, sacrifice preference and almost enjoyment for safety. At least you are able to do something. And I think if you are doing something that isn't super enjoyable, so it could be cross training, it could just be that conditions are safe to run. It's not icy, but maybe it's really wet. Maybe it's really windy. Maybe you can't run on pace because your paces are just completely out the window because it's just the conditions are just poor. Well, you are benefiting from strengthening your toughness, your resilience. You know, if you're on a treadmill in a gym to stay safe and it might be monotonous, you might be doing a 50 or 60 minute easy run. The treadmill in the gym might even face a wall. You might not even have a window to look out of. There might be nobody else around you. Super boring. But just remember the benefit you're getting to your mental toughness, your resilience. That will pay dividends. It will serve you well for future challenging sessions that you experience. And it will also serve you well in races because naturally when we push in a race, there are going to be times where we really feel challenged. So I definitely think that can help. Just a word on running in icy conditions or considering getting out there when it's a little bit icy. Now, obviously, we don't want to risk injury, so it is better just not to do it at all. But you do have the option of considering getting off-road. If it's just a little bit slippy underfoot, so not super icy, maybe it's a little bit slippy, a little bit snowy, you're not wanting to risk injury here, you've got the option, it's safe to do so, maybe you can still run in the daylight based on your, your lifestyle, maybe you can get on the grass in the local park, for example, get some trail shoes on. If if the, uh, the route that you're running, the park is perfectly flat as well, there's less chance of slipping and sliding. Obviously, you have to be very, very careful and conditions have to be uh, miserable rather than out and out unsafe, but you will actually get a bit more grip off-road on the soft stuff wearing the right shoes than you would running potentially on the hard pavements or roads when it's icy. And I think the most difficult conditions to run in is when it's not really obviously icy but it's potentially a little bit patchy 
So I'll give you an example. You wake up in the morning, you check the forecast. It's kind of looking okay-ish. It's still dark and it's a bit miserable and it, it looks like there might be a little bit of ice here and there, but generally it looks okay. You think you're okay to get out there. What that can do is almost lull you into a false sense of security because for the most part of the run, you are absolutely fine. You were right. You, you've got the grip. It's not that bad out there. But there can be sporadic patches of black ice here and there that can just catch you off guard so you do need to be very very mindful and you need to be very switched on and even if you're out there running and you think wow i didn't expect this the conditions have changed these are these actually there are patches of ice that i didn't expect the most important thing is to make sure that you're really focusing on putting your feet directly under your hips so remember your hips are your center of gravity your center of mass you want to make sure that you're balanced that's, that's going to help you to stay upright so you don't want to be putting your feet out too far away from your center of mass so you might want to shorten your stride ever so slightly but certainly when running in challenging conditions and especially if you're running downhill make sure you put your feet under the hips that will help give you that balance and stability and help keep you on your feet as an extra precaution to keep you doubly safe, I think it's really helpful to consider the speed that you corner at. Now, you may think, Jake, what are you talking about? A corner speed here. We're just talking about running. I don't go blasting around corners. But irrespective of the speed that you're running at the pace, when you run around a corner, you naturally will lean into that corner, into the bend, even ever so slightly. Obviously, the faster you're running, the more likely you are to lean into the bend. And that ever so slight shift in your centre of mass, your centre of gravity can just be enough to throw you off balance, especially if there's a little bit of ice underfoot. So when it comes to cornering, just make sure that you slow down. You're very cautious. You want to stay as upright as possible. You don't want to be leaning in in any way, shape or form. Now, a popular topic of discussion in the WhatsApp group that I have for my runners of performance community is head torches and LED vests and lights and how can I dress up like a Christmas tree to keep myself as safe as possible at the moment. And there's two things here when thinking about LED vests, for example, or head torches. You can get, obviously, chest lights and, and waist belt lights. There's all manner of different things you can do to light yourself up. Are you wanting to be seen or are you wanting to see? And you may want both, depending on where you're running and the sort of session that you're doing. So head torches, for example, are fantastic for you to be able to see. Of course, people can see you, but they're not as visible as the likes of a, a bright LED, LED vest where it's flashing different colours and it's obvious that you are there. You are way more visible. But the head torch is really good because you can see exactly where you're going. But comfort is, is such a crucial factor, such a crucial consideration, because if it's not comfortable or it's bouncing around or it feels heavy, it's not weighted correctly for you and your running style and all those different things, you simply won't wear it or it'll just annoy you when you're out there. So you definitely want to try a few different ones on. Typically, you want one that's relatively light, because if you're somebody that does lots of kind of ultra running and you're out there for a long time and maybe you do events through the night and that kind of crazy, inspiring stuff, then you will want a head torch that can that can last for that long so you're probably going to find that they're a little bit heavier the the battery pack's going to weigh that bit more maybe it's got a double pack on it maybe you need to carry an extra pack with you so there's a few considerations for most of us just for our classic kind of 50 60 minute run in the week staying safe in the dark we just want something that's lightweight and ready to go on the subject of being ready to go do not let it catch you off guard make sure the thing is always recharged so what i suggest if you have one that 
uh, it recommends that you just leave it on charge all the time, then go for that. But for, for for most of them, I think it's just a good idea to, once you've used it, rather than right in the door, jump in the shower, crack on with food and the rest of the day, I would just look at what the battery life is like. Usually they've got some kind of indication to, to tell you whether it needs charging, how low the battery is. Make sure you just check. I do the same with my running watch. After the run, I just check, where are we? Okay, we're good to go. Because what that does is it just minimises the chance of you having to get out there and run and think, uh-oh, no. I've got low battery on the watch, on the head torch, on the LED vest. So definitely something to think about. Panic alarm. As I said to my girlfriend Martina, panic alarms can be so useful. So running in the dark is about staying safe, as is so often the case with winter training. And having a little panic alarm that you just keep in your hand can just give you that sense of comfort, that sense of security. Of course, we hope that you never use it. But it's there, you have it. And if the worst was to happen and you felt unsafe, you could simply press that button and obviously alert attention to you. So these things are relatively inexpensive, relatively light, very easy to get your hands on. I strongly recommend investing in one through the winter. Now, we've touched on treadmills and cross-training. There's definitely a place for that. Obviously, that's going to help you uh, to train when the conditions are unsafe like ice, but also in the dark as well, you know. And, and I think something that can really help you, just take a step back and look at your training week as a whole. Now's a good time to do that for winter. Are there some changes that you need to make and can make? You don't necessarily need to train exactly the same all year round. You don't need to train as you did in summer things are different now it's dark it's cold it's miserable what adjustments do you need to make if you can maximize your opportunity to run in the daylight i would say go for it now there may be some considerations here and there may well be some little tweaks you need to make to your training so that you don't get injured and you give yourself the chance to run a good session so the various sessions that you do you want them to be of high quality right so you certainly don't want to lump lots of quality intense sessions long sessions back to back you know consecutive days because that's probably not going to help you perform well and it could risk injury but maximizing the opportunities of running the daylight is really helpful i'll use martina my girlfriend as an example so she uh, does an on-call once a week and when she's on call at the veterinary hospital she goes in slightly later in the morning well there's an opportunity for her to run in the daylight she can run not super super early in the morning where whereby it's still dark but she can run in the light in the morning so she makes sure that she schedules a run for that day and then she doesn't work mondays and she has saturdays and sundays available when she's not on call at the weekend so there's three days there now we've spent quite a lot of time looking at martina's training because obviously saturday sunday monday while they're fantastic days for her to be able to run stay safe run in the light you know it's not just safety it's more enjoyable running in the daytime for most people while that's really helpful we have to make sure that it her training fits together like a jigsaw because what we don't want is that risk of injury and risk of exhaustion and not getting the most out of her training but as long as we plan accordingly so for example a longer run on the Saturday rather than the Sunday and then Martina might do more of a quality run on a Monday and then on Sunday that could be an optional run it easy if she feels okay or it could be an easy swim or it could be an easy jumping on the bike at the gym so she's got some options there and then there's the on-call in the week where she can run in the morning before work but in the daylight that's four 
potential runs there if she does Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then the one in the week. That's four runs where she's running in the daytime. Now, Martina, most of the time, likes to target five runs a week. Well, there's only one run where she's potentially running in the dark. There's only one run where she's got to problem-solve all the obstacles we're talking about in this episode. We're talking about staying safe, running in the dark, icy conditions. So these kinds of things can definitely help you. Just look at your week. How can you maximise your opportunity to run in the daytime? You know, think outside the box a little bit. If you have a local running track, Is it floodlit? Is it accessible? Is it easy to book? You don't have to feel like an elite athlete to run on a running track if you've never been on a track. You know, if you're a member of a club, maybe you run on a track regularly with the guys in your club. But if if you're totally new to it, it doesn't mean that a running track is not an option for you. You know, you belong there. It's for you as much as it is for everybody else. And I think that can be very useful. A nice, safe place where you feel safe. You can see, if you know, floodlit and you can enjoy running around the oval and get the best out of your training. Now, running, listening to music, headphones, podcasts, audiobooks. I mean, my advice is just simply don't do it. I, I think... The risk is too great. I don't think it's worth it. You know, why Why do most of us listen to music or an audiobook when we run? For motivation, a distraction. Some of us want to maximise our time, so we might be kind of educating ourselves a little bit by listening to podcasts and audiobooks. Uh, we're running at the same time, so therefore we're kind of getting, you know, a, a high return for the time that we're investing. I think now's the time to kind of ignore that. Um, and yeah, it might not be as exciting. Maybe you really love your music. Save it for your daytime runs. Save it for the bike session in the gym or the commute home. You know, I think just at all costs, whether they're bone conducting and you, you can hear things around you, I would say, especially in the dark, just don't do it. And on the subject of running safely and having your wits about you, I think it's helpful if you don't become a creature of habit. Now, it's very helpful to create a healthy habit where training and running is concerned. But we're talking about you staying safe here and avoiding being harassed. And you have a greater chance to reduce the risk of you being targeted by not being a creature of habit, not running the same route on the same day at the same time, even just changing things slightly. So you could obviously change the days that you run, you can change the routes, but even just running the route in reverse you know, will will change the time that you pass certain points, potentially. And that's really important, you know, rather than staying, just sticking to what you know and doing the same thing over and over again. I would certainly mix things up a little bit. I think running with confidence can really help you as well. And and for two reasons, really. I mean, what, what does running confidently mean? Well, to me, if somebody was running confidently, visually, they would have their head hell high, their shoulders would be down and back, they'd be running tall, you know, that they're exuding confidence. And not only does that make you less likely to be targeted because you look more confident when you're running and less vulnerable, it actually helps your running form. So it helps your running technique. So it's a win-win. So that's definitely something to think about as well. If the worst was to happen, and of course, I sincerely hope this does not, but if you are approached while you are out running, do not defend any item that has been targeted. And one final tip for you on the subject of staying safe and possessions. It may well be worth setting up the safety beacon feature, which can be found on so many 
GPS running watches and mobile phone running apps as well, whereby you give access effectively to a friend, a family, partner, husband, wife that knows exactly where you are. They can track you. They can see whereabouts you, whereabouts you are. And even though you hope, of course, that those coordinates are never needed, so somebody doesn't need to come and find you and come and get you, I think it just gives you peace of mind. I think it's just quite comforting to know that even though you may well be out there on your own, there are people that know where you are, that are effectively supporting you, watching over you indirectly. So that can definitely be worth spending a few minutes just setting that up. So there you have it. There's my winter training tips to keep you fired up and safe over the next few months. Of course, if you would like a summary of the tips, all you have to do is head over to the show notes page, which is runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Running with Jake, the podcast. I'm a bit puffed out after all that. I was just, come on, man. There's a lot of winter training tips there. I'm exhausted. I've never got the energy to run or train or swim or float about in the pool anymore. I think I'm... Man, oh, I think Who knew there was that much to running around the roads in the winter? Who knew it? Man, it's a crazy world. It's a jungle out there. It's a slippy, icy jungle, but it's a jungle. I'm telling you. Uh, listen, I think you should take over here while I just have a little sip of water, catch my breath. Uh, you, I think you've done it to death, the whole Patreon Pete thing now. I think we just need to give people a little bit of a break from you begging and asking for money every episode. Why don't you go with the ratings thing? You quite like a bit of ratings here and there, a bit of subscription, a bit of following, all that sort of, you know, modern day stuff. Off you go. I suppose so, yeah. Yeah, if you're enjoying the show, I'll tell you one thing that really helps is obviously for you to hit that follow button or that subscribe button, depending on which app you're listening on. Um, so just do that, and then you'll be notified of whenever we bring new content out. Of course, we do weekly content. We do it every Wednesday. We do the podcast. But also, if you manage to miss this, a greater company to your Sunday long run would be the um, quick hits that we do. To be honest, the quick hits aren't as quick as they used to be because it's you and Joe talking, uh, Joe Wilkinson, ex-GB athlete, talking about something really really appropriate and relevant and 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 good and stuff you know there's just extra content there you can take away so that's every wednesday and every sunday and if you do take value from the content and let's be honest you are taking some kind of value from it aren't you because it's a time sensitive world and and your time is money and you've been listening to this podcast for like ages already so either you're taking value from the content or you're a bit of a crackpot so you decide i mean it's completely your call but if you are taking some kind of value from the content, do us a favour. Just do a little review, OK? Whatever app you're listening on, just hit the five-star button, do a little review, just put, yeah, running with Jake is great. Thanks. That'll do. It doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be a, a, you know, like war and peace or anything like that. It doesn't have to be long. It, it, it doesn't, you don't even have to write a review. You can just hit the five stars if you'd rather. Pulling out all the stops in episode 97, as if hitting you with a million winter training tips wasn't enough, it's now time to take another one of your questions it is indeed hashtag ask Jake. Today's question comes from Duncan who wants to know something I think we can all relate to. How to avoid feeling guilty if he misses a run. Look, it happens to all of us. At one point or another, we will miss a run. It could be because we're being smart and avoiding injury, or it could be because we don't have the motivation and we just struggle to get out there. Um, the first thing I would say actually is, uh, coming at this from a slightly different angle, is feeling guilty such a bad thing? 
if we have a degree of guilt, and obviously not too much where we beat ourselves up, but if we have a degree of guilt, with that comes accountability. With that comes that, oh, I'm going to try and avoid that in the future. I want to commit to my run so I don't experience that feeling again. So it can serve to drive and motivate us in the future. So I don't think guilt in itself is a particularly bad thing. Obviously, you don't want to be feeling overwhelming emotions of guilt, feelings of guilt. Uh, and, And I think it's worth just stepping back, looking at the big picture. Does it really matter? You know, what is that run? Is it a key run? Is it a long run or a serious interval session or a a marathon race pace session? Or is it just a a 45 minute easy run or a recovery run where actually the, the, the cost of you missing that run is not so great? So looking at things, things logically, taking a step back and seeing the big picture, I think can really help you to feel a bit better about things and also plan for the future. But remember, guilt in itself is not such a bad thing. Duncan, best of luck with your training. If you've got a question, it's hashtag AskJake or you can drop me an email at podcast at runningwithjake.com. I think I was a bit premature. In what way? The slippers, the winter slippers. <laughs> sweating, man. I'm not surprised. My feet are sweating. I mean, nobody needs to know that. Do you know how to control your heating? Because you're at a new place, aren't you? Oh, don't even get me started on the heating. Seriously, I have absolutely no idea, and I'm not even joking. Like, the guy is coming around later this week to fit a new thermostat. Right. But yet, you've got all these different valves on the radiators. You've got the water temperature. (laughs) Some of the radiators have valves with numbers on. Some of them don't, just like a plus and a minus. And then you've got a boiler thing in the cupboard. But then there's another thing in the kitchen that's in a cupboard. Is it like a cistern? Is it a... I don't know. I don't know. A cistern? and my feet are sweating it's just it's terrible that's why I can't wait to get back running and I'm going to take on board all the winter training tips that I shared today I'm just going to apply them just apply them I'm, just, I'm not even going to live in the house anymore I'm just going to run I'm just going to run everywhere I'm just going to run why not like a really cold forest gum that's what we do brilliant just like with like icicles on my beard and everything I'm just going to do that um, give us a wave if you see me out there over the next few weeks uh, I hope you enjoyed today's show episode 97 a massive thank you to our guest well there was no guest but your tips were great mate so I hope you took some value from today's content make sure you apply all the winter training tips stay safe that is obviously the most important thing performance comes second have a great week of training and we will be back next week for another bag of tricks this is indeed your weekly dose of running motivation oh and one more thing celebrate finish lines not finish times (laughs) 